monk was, a young monk was called in by his superior and he says, I have a special mission for you. He said, I want you to go to another monastery, a small one, deep, deep, deep in, in the woods, far away from here, because I'm getting reports that all is not going well there and I want you to, to address all the problems. So the young monk traveled quite a distance into the woods, into the forest, and when he arrived, he came upon the monastery, and it looked dreadful. It was decrepit, falling apart, not repaired, and he knocked on the door and there was no answer. So eventually he went in and uh, he was walking around and all the monks seemed to be in their own private cells and nothing was happening and the place was dirty and in disrepair. And then he saw a monk and uh, he said, excuse me, and he kind of yelled at him, what do you want? And uh, he told him, I'm the new superior of this monastery, and the food was bad, everything was bad, it was a disaster. So he stayed there for a few weeks, until eventually, uh, one of the old, old, old monks in the place said, you need to go to a mystic who lives a little bit further away from here. So he went there, and he stayed with him for a couple of weeks, and he received him very graciously. He cared for him. He fed him, prayed with him. And then after a while, he said, it's time for you to go back. And he said, okay, what should I do? What's the plan of action? He said, gather all the monks together when you return and just say this. Say to them, the Messiah is among you. So he went back and he gathered all the monks and he said to them, they were all waiting with expectation. They said, well, what is it? He said, the Messiah is among you. And with that understanding that they believed that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was one of their colleagues living in that monastery, it changed everything. It changed the way they related to each other. It changed the way they prayed when they were in prayer, praying to God, because if they have to give fitting worship, is the Lord is there with them at prayer. They changed and, and renovated the whole monastery and, and changed it in such a way that they wanted to make it clean and fitting for the Lord to live there. And even like historically, monasteries were places where the poor came to for food and uh, they were cared for and people had stopped coming there. Eventually, uh, the poor people could see that their gardens were being tended to and they were leaving out food for those who needed it from their surplus. And before long, um, people wanted to join that place because it was a place of peace and a place of joy. So the monastery began to flourish once again. The description I gave you of the monastery before it was reformed would be very similar to the land of Israel that the prophet Isaiah is speaking about. It was a dreadful place. All the intelligent people, all the leaders had been taken away into captivity by the Babylonian Empire, and the people were living a dreadful life. They were living without hope. They were living without joy and they were incredibly divided. And they were looking for what they called a light. 
They were looking for a light to pierce the darkness. So when King Cyrus released the people from, from the Babylonian captivity and the people came back into the land of Israel, there was great hope. They said, a light has come at last. This is God speaking to us by restoring us as a community of faith. Because they understood very deeply that God couldn't be glorified unless his people are glorified. So unless the people become what God wants them to be, to be able to live in dignity and respect and in peace, then God will not become a living reality in people's lives. So that was the great hope. But sadly, as we know from, from our faith tradition, that people would make great aspirations to what God wanted for them, but because indifference to the poor and the vulnerable and, and division among themselves, they once again reverted to the old ways once again. At the time of Christ, and around the time Christ was born, they said things were so bad for the people in the Holy Land, the people of Israel, that people again said it was so desperate and it was so bad for them that God himself will have to intervene. And that is why once again the prophets and scripture tells us that someday the Messiah will come. And the people were expecting the Messiah and that is what we have in today's uh, gospel passage. The Messiah has come, Emmanuel, God with us. The shining star has once again come into people's lives. But the difference this time is that it is different than before. Because in the past, it was the people of Israel. It was the, the chosen people, the Jewish people alone. But with the light, that has been expanded to all people all people of goodwill. And the new people that are going to be formed is a wide embrace, but they have, they're to have three things in common. And these are reflected in the gifts that the Magi bring to the child. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is about our humanity. And what is revealed about our humanity? about the child. We see this in particular at the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan. The heavens opened and God speaks and said, you are my beloved child, in you I am well pleased. A beautiful revelation about the dignity of every human being. You are my beloved child, in you I am well pleased. That is the innermost identity of Jesus Christ, but it is also the innermost identity of every human being, God's beloved in whom God is well pleased. So your opinion of yourself and your opinion of other people is irrelevant. So sometimes you should just shelve it because God's opinion comes before yours. And God's opinion is, you are my beloved, in you I am well pleased. The second aspect of the gift is frankincense. 
And this reflects divinity. And as we saw from the life of Jesus, and particularly his actions and his words, he revealed the heart of God, and the heart of Jesus is a heart of forgiveness. And the importance of what we're invited into of making forgiveness a way of life. Because when we make forgiveness a way of life, we are set free from guilt and resentment, the two pa parts of unforgiveness that can ensnare us and hold us captive. So we are to have the same attitude, the same approach, the same attitude, the same disposition of God, of forgiveness towards ourselves and towards other people as well. And finally, the last aspect is that of myrrh, representing the sacrificial offering that Jesus would make to show us his love by dying on the cross. Ultimately, dying on the cross for Jesus was a very profound statement of an approach um, to the world in which we live is in of nonviolence. Nonviolence in word and in deed. To rid the world of hatred, of division, of injustice, of oppression. To reject a violent approach to any other human life and to bring about peace in the world through nonviolent means. So gold, frankincense, and myrrh are offered to the child Jesus because the three wise men saw who Jesus was, and in their gifts, they are revealing to us who he is for us as well. Very often, very often, it is very difficult for us to sustain ourselves in those three things, in belovedness, in forgiveness, and in peacemaking. And that is why it is often said that while the Christian faith is very personal, it is never private. And we all need other people to help us to live a life of discipleship. And that is why as we begin this new year, I'm inviting you to two things. First of all, I'm inviting you to try and create among your family and your friends a deepening sense of belovedness, a deepening sense of making forgiveness a way of life, and a deepening sense of bringing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Even to do it with your friends, with your families, and if at all possible that you could do it, um, maybe try and consider being part of our communities for the kingdom something that the archdiocese, the churches worldwide, are promoting, actually in every denomination. The people who are ahead of the curve are the megachurches in the United States, and they're investing millions in this. Because we are at a new time in the church where the focus is on the smaller groups that will bring about the larger groups of worship here on Sunday. So remember, remember, if you have ever any doubts, you are beloved in whom God is well pleased. Staying in touch with Jesus helps us to stay in touch with forgiveness, which frees us from guilt and resentment, 
and realizing that when Jesus died on the cross, he died to reject any violence in word or deed to any human being on earth. And he wants us to live and bring about a world of peace and justice for all.